Hello and welcome to our London History Podcast, where we share our love of London, its people, places and history in 20-minute espresso shot episodes, served with a dash of personality. I am Hazel Baker, London tour guide and CEO of London Guided Walks, providing private tours, treasure hunts and live online quizzes to Londoners and visitors alike. To accompany this podcast, we also have hundreds of London history-related blog posts for you to enjoy all absolutely free. We've also launched the Daily London, providing you with daily inspiration of things to do in London for Londoners. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, or even add it to your Alexa Flash briefings. And you can check all of that out on our website, londonguidedwalks.co.uk forward slash flash. Today we're going to be talking about the Walbrook stream in the city of London during Roman times and to help me navigate this is City of London tour guide Amit Dermid. Hello. 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 Okay, so we know the Walbrook stream began as springs uh, in modern day Islington and Shoreditch and flowed through central London reaching the Thames by Cannon Street Station. Ian, to help those who aren't familiar with the Walbrook or indeed uh, the City of London, would you want to uh, pinpoint the Walbrook a little bit closer? Yes. Well, the first thing to say, obviously, that it is um, one of London's hidden rivers. So um, it's been covered up for a very long time now. Uh, In fact, by the end of the 15th century, it was getting incredibly narrow and was pretty much covered over for its entirety. Um, It begins in to the uh, north of the city in what was Moorfields and then ran southwards. And when we say it began round there, the, the beginnings of the the Walbrook uh, uh, covers a very wide area and it's a very uh, diverse um, thing to describe because actually it's not really one stream, it's several streams coming from several springs. And those several springs then come together um, a bit further south and form one stream in what we turn the Middle Walbrook and the Middle Walbrook ran under where now the Bank of England is and then it ran further south onto what is now underneath the Bloomberg building, formerly Bucklersbury House, before Bucklersbury House was uh, pulled down and um, Bloomberg building is on a road called Walbrook and Walbrook Road is a little to the east of where the Walbrook ran and then it ran down um, towards to the Thames um, and it, it, its mouth was there on the Thames near Cannon Street Station. So as I was saying this is um, completely hidden and this is one of those sort of fascinating um, historical aspects to London when you can't really see anything of what you're talking about but you're talking about something that was of immense importance. So as I was saying we can divide the Walbrook stream up into three parts. I should actually say that it's only a mile long so we're doing a uh, a podcast now on a a kind of trip down a river and it's a bit like doing or watching one of those BBC documentaries when somebody like Michael Palin goes down the Nile or the Danube. A bit similar except that our Uh, river or stream more properly is only about a mile long. Um, So the northern parts of this, uh, as I said, cover quite a wide area and this is the upper Walbrook and we've got to think of a series of 
as I say, small streams fed by springs. And when the Romans arrive in London, this area is very, very marshy. And they begin to develop it around uh, 90 to around 120, it gets going AD. And um, so this is a bit after the, the first Roman settlement of London. They, they conquer in 43, and the first bit of archaeology, which we'll probably come to a bit later, is 47 AD. And the thing that distinguishes this area in terms of archaeological finds is industrial activity. So this is the part of Roman London where uh, industrial activity was most concentrated. And we're talking about finds of leatherworking, metalworking, glassworking, and also um, pottery as well. And so I was saying earlier that for me, one of the interests of this is that there's not much to see and you've got to recreate it in your imagination. I remember uh, walking up Moorgate a few weeks ago and remark, uh, just making a mental note of 20 to 24 Moorgate, which is on your left as you walk up Moorgate towards the Bank of England. I say walk up, that's heading in a southerly direction. And this is a completely unremarkable building. They put it up in 1999. They did the archaeology underneath there and they found the remains of kilns. So uh, to me, that that's kind of really interesting. Hazel, you've been interested in the crossrail excavations. Yeah. Could you explain where they were and what they found? Yeah, so the, the crossrail excavations have been doing the, the Broadgate and the Liverpool Street one. That's what I've been um, reading up about. And it's really quite fascinating. So in modern day maps, uh, Blomfield Street is where the Woolbrook would have originally ran. In, in Roman times, don't forget, you know, public buildings uh, would have been onside the main roads leading out of the city. Um, it was a legal necessity and also the custom to bury dead outside the town boundaries. So I think you know where I'm, I'm going with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Woolbrook was a fast-flowing stream and the area was prone to flooding. Cemetery areas nearest to the stream's tributaries uh, must have been constantly waterlogged. And that's good for uh, finding finds. And the passages that weren't used for cemetery sites were used for military horses. No, how do they know that? Oh, well, by the bugs that they found in the soil. They're called decomposters and uh, they're associated with stable waste. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things I remember reading about the Upper Warbrook is, I think a bit before when you're talking about, is the exposure of bodies in the uh, rebeds in the Iron Age, carrying mm-hmm. on into the Roman Age. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that the stream is fairly fast flowing. In the lower Warbrook, they found uh, a lot of skulls. And when these were found, it gave rise to some fanciful uh, theories about battles um, and whether or, or whether during the Boudican revolt. And I think some people, modern scholars, some, some modern scholars maintain that they could be... Um, uh, people who were executed uh, during the, the Boudican revolt. But the, the more likely explanation is, I think, of the skulls being, of bodies being exposed in the river and the skulls perhaps being detached at the time of the bodies being laid down and then being carried down by the water um, to the the lower Warbrook. Is there anything in that about that in the crossrail or, um, or is it later and is it burial? People love to add these stories and, you know, you see a head and you think, oh, well, it's not attached to the body, so it must have been deliberately taken off, but there's no evidence for that at all. So the modern day view really is that these heads uh, came off because of the flooding and moved down the river, um, as with lots of other items. 
Okay, and what about the cemeteries? Is there anything of particular note that they found there? Yeah, so they've they've found a number of things, including um, coins, um, some beautiful coins, including uh, one from uh, Trajan um, and another one, Hadrian. Another one also um, specifically representing the province of Britannia. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, on a more gory note, if you like that kind of thing, they have found a horse's skeleton, partial skeleton, um, a male, five years old, and it's lying on its right side, and it's been part butchered. And they can tell that because of the knife marks in the front midshaft of the femur and also on a rib. But it also has evidence of canine gnawing. Oh, nice. So that that was something that was just left there, was it? Yes, it looks like it was a deliberate deposit. Okay. And five years is pretty good going for any working horse. Oh, that's interesting, because uh, I think you were telling me that in Victorian times, horses didn't live very long, did they? No, they didn't. And then they ended up with glue afterwards. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let's right. move on. <laughs> yes, um, they also found a rare example of refined joinery from um, early Roman period. And these are two reused timber gates or barn doors. So going back to this whole pasture um, feeling of, of, of what the area was used yard. So they're thinking a farmyard or a workshop or some sort of ancillary building. And uh, they reckon that this was done by a semi-skilled owner rather than a professional joiner just by the way that it's done. But they're putting the, the date here at uh, 110, um, 134 AD, and it's uh, two metres wide. Hmm. So quite uh, sizable, so perfect for, for horses. Um, and then also don't forget um, at Draper's Gardens, they'd found two domestic-sized doors, and they were rather simple. But the most elaborate ones they've found over the years is on the Bloomberg site. And these are smaller sections, but they are two really elaborate panels. Uh, so you've got three three examples of different types of joinery. The uh, the home DIYer to the, the professional uh, joiner, all in these three examples. And uh, what about the uh, burials themselves? Yeah, well, of course, cemeteries usually flanked main roads and Fimsbury Circus Cemetery began in the late first century. Um, and this is before the construction of the road that we know today. And it all continued for 200 years into the third century. And they have found there, flanking some of uh, Blomfield Road, they found examples of um, 125 human burials and also 10 cremations. And then at Liverpool Street, uh, five uh, burials and a partial, uh, partially articulated one. And also in the Charnel, seven individuals, including six um, adults, one male, definitely one female and one sub-adult. And because they were found uh, not as whole bodies in Charnels along the side of the road, they're thinking that maybe the cemeteries were actually tidied up and these deposits uh, were, were left in there. The bigger bones um, and also the, the foot bones were missing. That's yeah. a bit weird. Yeah, why is that, do they think? No idea. Maybe good luck charms? I don't know. Oh. Uh, yeah, so grave goods um, were found in smash pots um, and some of the... the most beautiful ones were uh, polychrome cable bracelets and also two bone hairpins. Uh, also a probable iron medical instrument. So maybe he was a doctor. Hmm. Um, an iron stylus and also two iron slide keys. 
And mixed into all of this were 199 animal bone fragments. So what animals did they find there then? Well, mainly cattle and sheep and goats and pigs, dog, chicken. And then they also found single fragments of goose, roe deer, cod and horse. Hmm, good mixture. Shall we move to the middle Walbrook then? Yes, and uh, this really, we can begin to talk about why the Walbrook is uh, so important. And it's important because it's an incredibly rich archaeological um, area. And the reason for this is the Walbrook itself and that process I was talking earlier about the building up of banks. So on the middle of the Walbrook, they were constantly building up the banks and they were um, gradually building up more solid areas where buildings could be erected. So you've got various uh, levels of um, material being dumped and this preserves um, archaeology very, very well because it's anaerobic. There's no oxygen in there. So you've got these various levels of building and you get lots of remains. And it's also very important for the history of archaeology because uh, Bucklersbury House, which I, I was talking about earlier on, which was a huge building uh, put up in the 1950s. And when they did that, the excavation before it was um, both was both extremely important but very limited. So this is the time when um, Professor Grimes excavates the uh, Temple of Mithras and this created huge, huge uh, interest at the time, people queuing around the block to see it. And at the same time, the Guildhall Museum, as then was, now part, now later on became part of the Museum of London, was able to carry out some what we would call rescue archaeology, some, some rapid trenches. But an awful lot of the archaeology just was dis disappeared under the uh, constructor's machinery. And you can see film clips at the time of these huge um, bulldozers moving masses of earth. Um, and the, the archaeology that went must have been, uh, well, it's, it's tragic to think of it. But the results and uh, outcry over that led to some of the, the beginnings of the restrictions on uh, development in the city and the, and the beginnings of the current regime whereby you have to undertake archaeological surveys and archaeological digs if you want to put a new building up. Um, and the area was also very important because they had to... The, the Walbrook came, as we were saying, north-south, and it's to the uh, western side of the city, but the city developed beyond it, so they had to put a bridge across. And the bridge ac went across roughly where number one poultry is, so that's kind mm -hmm. of opposite the Bank of England. So it was an enormous important part uh, in terms of the traffic because that's where you got the, the main east road and this area was used um, as for a mixture of uh, residential building and uh, industrial uh, use. And there's several writing tablets found there weren't there? Yes um, so they uh, the writing tablets are pieces of wood and the ones that survive can be of two types they can either be um the the background on which they put a, a layer of uh, wax which they'd inscribe and sometimes the stylus marks have left um writing that can be deciphered on scratched into the wood or they could have used them a bit like a postcard by writing directly onto them and because of these anaerobic conditions uh, these tablets have survived in this area and they haven't survived uh, from elsewhere so number one poultry was excavated in the 1980s when that building goes up and they find some fascinating tablets there. Um, my favourite one relates to the sale of, I say favourite, I don't mean this in a trivial way, I'm a favourite in the sense of finding it very interesting, mm -hmm. relates to the sale of Fortunata who's a, a slave woman and she's bought for 600 
denarii by Wagatius. That's a very interesting one. And remember you mentioning that one on your Roman London tour as well, don't you? Yeah, that's right. It's interesting because Wagatius himself is a slave and his owner is a slave, an imperial slave. So you've got a slave being bought by a slave of a slave, which is uh, very interesting. (laughs) Anyway, so they're important. But then when they did the Bloomberg, I was saying that a lot of the archaeology was destroyed when they put up Butlersbury House, but nevertheless, when they did Bloomberg, uh, they obviously did uh, thorough research, and uh, it was still a very rich site. And they re-excavated the Mithraeum, which you can go and visit in the Bloomberg building. But also, when you go and visit the Mithraeum, on display there, they've got a fantastic cabinets uh, full of uh, finds from everyday life in, in Roman London. So that's well worth seeing. And Also, on the Bloomberg site, they found loads of these uh, wooden writing tablets. So there were more found on uh, on the Bloomberg site than we had in existence before the Bloomberg site was um, uh, uncovered. And amongst these is one with a scratched marking, Magontio Londinio, which is the first... uh, reference to London that we've got and that means to Magontius uh, at London it's the the, the address for for the letter and the Bloomberg writing tablets tend to be um, commercial or legal agreements and they include the the first written document that we've got from Roman London which dates to 56 AD which is a a financial uh, transaction between um, two freedmen. Mm -hmm. And then if we move um, further down, finally, to the um, end of the, the river, the uh, Lower Walbrook, this is an area which hasn't really been um, excavated thoroughly because it's it's built on and the opportunities haven't arisen. But we're talking where uh, Upper Thames Street is now. That That's where the river was. And there was one archaeological dig done there in the 1950s, uh, by Grimes, who took a cross-section of that. And from that, we know that the mouth of this stream was about six metres wide. So um, very, very wide stream. And also we can tell that they um, put terraces on it so that it became a kind of rectangular shape, the mouth of the river. And that was very convenient for um, mooring up ships. So the area was of enormous uh, commercial importance. So that gets this straight in my mind. So you've got the the City of London with its new Roman wall surrounding it. And then they build an extension of that wall from Blackfriars to basically where the Tower of London is now and Tower Hill. And you've got the Woolbrook right in the middle of that. So what happened with that? Well, it's a good question and I'm not sure. Um, I uh, well, I'm going to guess because I know what they did at the northern end, which is just to have a channel running underneath the wall. Is, is that what happened here? Well, one would assume so. So I do know that they they made some provisions to allow drainage through the wall, but I think that's from the uh, the nineteen fifties dig with what's his name Grimes. That's right, him. Yeah. So what Hadel's talking about is in around two seven five they build a, a riverside wall. The 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 previous to that the the walls have just gone around the the landward part of uh, London and. One implication of this wall is that the Walbrook then ceases to be used for commercial activity. And indeed, it must have been very difficult for London as a whole to operate as a port with this uh, with this new wall in place. Excellent. Well, thanks for the tour of the Walbrook. Oh, my pleasure. That's all we've got time for now. Don't forget, Ian does provide a Roman London tour for you to get your teeth stuck into Roman London a little bit more. Many thanks to Andy, who has suggested a Rock and Roll London podcast. We will put that one on the list. And thank you to all of our listeners for your continued support, including Anne in Romford.
If you have time, then leave us a review and don't forget to check out The Daily London, giving you daily inspiration for things to do in London. Mm -hmm.